he's giving me the sign that he's ready to go. Well, we're not in the book of Revelation this morning. Uh, we'll pick it back up next week. Hope happens here. Forsberg ISD has been back in session since Monday, August the 15th. Blast Kids will be two weeks ago this coming Wednesday. We start on Wednesday, September the 7th. Our kids' blast mission, uh, ministries going back. Full blast. And summer vacation for, for most of us, if not for all, is over. But obviously, no one's consulted with the weather as of yet. Still in the upper 90s. I say all that to tell you that today is National Back to Church Sunday. We welcome our first-time guests. We do that every Sunday. We welcome those who are joining with us via internet, live stream. We welcome those who possibly have been away on summer vacation for an extended period of time. But I want to tell all of you, within the sound of my voice, that it's good to be here with all of you. Reminds me of Psalm 118.24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We are here for you and for each other. Here you will find love and support. We are here to discover what the Bible says about God. Theology. Theo meaning God. Ology meaning study of. The study of God. We are here to seek His will. His plan for our lives. You see, the church is not a building. It's made of people just like you. Who are looking for purpose. Authentic relationships. Support. And hope. By the way, I need to define what hope is. Not just hope as the world defines it, but biblical hope. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary defines biblical hope this way. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This is not a wishy-washy type of hope where we say we hope we get rain this coming week. The hope that we have in God is sure and steadfast. And at times in the Bible, you refer, you'll see it referred to as in the past tense. It's a sure thing. The world defines hope as a feeling that what is wanted will somehow happen. We don't know how, but hopefully it will happen. But we talk about biblical hope. The hope we have in God is completely different. So what does this biblical hope look like in our lives? Specifically a believer's life, a, a Christian's life. Well, we have hope that God is at work in our lives. We have hope that things do not have to remain the same tomorrow as they are today. We have hope that broken things can be mended, and we have hope that we are loved by our Creator. Maybe you're here this morning, and you have come here in need of some hope. Perhaps the weight of the world is more than you can bear. 
Maybe you've come here today because you feel there is nowhere else to turn. May I reiterate, hope happens here. You can have hope and God's plan for your life. You were created by God. You're not an accident. I bought a product of some cosmic goo somewhere. The Creator formed you in your mother's room. says that in the book of Psalms. He has made you with a purpose and intention. He has equipped you with gifts, sometimes referred to as talents. And there are questions that have been asked all through human history. Perhaps the greatest ones is, who am I and why am I here? God offers the answer to those questions, which gives us hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, plans to prosper you, and not for calamity, not for disaster, or to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And most of you have heard that quoted at baccalaureates and sometimes at graduation ceremonies. That's not bad in and of itself, but we not, must not forget the context of this verse. By the way, that's Biblical Understanding 101. Look at the verse. Look at the verses around it. Look at the chapter in which it falls. Look at the book in which it is in. Whatever is Old Testament, New Testament, look at that and look at the whole canon of Scripture. So let's take a look at the context. So you have Jeremiah open. Let's go back to verse 4 and make our way forward. Get this verse in context, if you will. Jeremiah 29, 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst, in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And here's our verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. The reason that's important, that promise is made as they're going off into exile into Babylon. The Lord tell them, I know the plans I have for you. If you look at that verse again, it says, for 70 years they're going to be gone into exile. And yet God's saying, I have plans for you. This is a very dark time in Israel history. Many of them would lose hope. 
Many of them would think God forgot about them. But yet he tells them, I'm not done with you yet. I have plans for you. And I would argue that there are many within the sound of my voice who feel the same way, that God has forgotten about you. Due to the COVID pandemic, relational conflict, or a devastating diagnosis, you may wonder if God has truly forgotten about you. And as a result, you're tempted to lose hope. As we have read in Jeremiah, God places hopes in the hearts of his people. Even though they were living in a land that was not their own, even though Jerusalem had been destroyed, God was not done with them yet. God still had plans to prosper them and not to harm them. He was working for a better future for Israel. Wherever you find yourself today, I want to encourage you. God has plans for your life. And when you live in obedience to God, you can rest assured that you will live in a God's purpose for your life. He will produce wonderful fruit in and through you. And you can put hope, biblical hope, you can stand fast at knowing that God has a plan for your life. And may I add to it, your true identity is found in Christ. Gentlemen, don't let your job, your occupation, or what you do for a living define who you are. Who you are is defined in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Ladies, don't look at magazines and movies and pictures of models. They've all been photoshopped and made upon. Find your true beauty in the fact that you are a daughter of the living God. And let that be your value. Let that be praised. See, charm and beauty are deceitful. They'll, they'll fade away. But a lady who loves the Lord, that's beauty. I'm quoting Proverbs, by the way. That leads us to point two. You can have hope in God's never-ending love. You are loved by God. Do you know that? Truly. And do you know that not only are you loved by God, but he likes you. Think about that. He loves the way you approach problems. He loves to hear you sing. Well, Tim, I can't sing. He created you. He knows that. But he loves for you to let go and let it come from the heart. He loves it. And loves the most powerful force on the face of this earth. The Apostle Paul appeals to the powerful love of God as he writes to the early church in Rome. Similar situation to Israel living in Babylon and Rome. Rome was a very different place, a sinful and foreign culture. It was hard to live in that place of persecution and suffering. And Paul wants to instill hope in the lives of the believers there. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39 but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer, more than victorious, through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am persuaded, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us, or will have the power to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Holman Christian puts it this way, we are more than victorious, 
or the NIV, we're more than conquerors. The text is clearly stating, you are conquerors. You're not defeated. No matter how bad things no matter how bad things may seem or how hopeless your situation may appear to be, you are overcomers. I love what the New Living Translation does here. Overwhelmingly, victory is ours through Christ. Why does Paul make this claim? It's because of God's love for them. He is convinced that nothing can separate God's people from God's love. Death can't do it. Demons can't do it. Man can't do it. Nothing. Not even death can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The depths of despair can't separate us. God's love is so potent, so prevailing, so strong, so powerful, that it's ever-present and never-ending. And he loves you even when you do not love him back. It's a love that does not respect, doesn't expect anything in return. That's just who he is. For John tells us God is love. Now bear with me. This might be a little difficult to get through. So to illustrate this point, I came across a story called Pinning a Marriage by a lady named Becky Zerby. She's telling a story of a man named Roger Zerby who was uh, having the early onset of Alzheimer's disease. And he made a journal to his wife after a particularly long, troubling bout of forgetfulness. And this is what he wrote. Quote, Honey, today fear is taking over. The day is coming when all my memories of this life we share will be gone. You and the boys will be gone from me. I will lose you even as I'm surrounded by you and your love. I don't want to leave you. I want to grow old and want the memories. Forgive me for leaving so slowly and painfully, end of quote. By the way, if you're a guest that Becky was his wife, and she read that, and she's fighting back the tears, she wrote back in that journal, quote, my sweet husband, I will continue to go on loving you and caring for you, not because you know me or remember our life, but because I remember you. I remember the man who proposed to me and told me that he loved me. The look on his face when his children were born. The father he was, the way he loved our extended family. I'll recall his love for riding, hiking, and reading. His tears at sentimental movies. The unexpected witty remarks. And how he held my hand while he prayed. I cherish the pleasure obligation, commitment, and opportunity to care for you because I remember you. That is an illustration telling us about the kind of sacrificial and persuasive love that Paul is talking about in Romans. The Greek word translated love, many of you know this, is the Greek word agape, It literally means a selfless and sacrificial kind of love. The kind of love that gives without needing anything in return. See, God's agape love for his people caused him to send his one and only son to be a sacrifice for our sin. 
so that we can receive forgiveness and have new life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'd like to read that to you now. You know this verse, many of you. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and he has committed to us the world, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, if you're a believer, you've been reconciled to God through Christ. And now we've been given that ministry of reconciliation to take that out because we are ambassadors representing that. We would go out. I, I would argue today that what our world needs more than anything, is reconciliation. But before we can have reconciliation among ourselves, we first must have reconciliation with our Creator. See, our hope is found not only in His plan that God has for us, but also in His love. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, and I pray that truth will empower us to face any challenge or challenges life may have for us. Which leads us to the last point, you can have hope in God's strength. Living the Christian life is not an easy task. Living counterculturally, loving our enemies, giving generously, serving faithfully and avoiding sin at all costs, that's, that's big. See, by, being Christ-like is not something we can do on our own. If we try, we will be left exhausted and burned out. We must rely on God's strength to do it. And Paul spoke to this when he's writing the church in Philippi. Once again, they're surrounded by persecution and imprisonment. And in fact, when Paul wrote this letter to Philippi, he himself was in chains writing this letter. And you think because of his situation that he might be hopeless, but instead we find the opposite. Philippians 4.13, I can do, I am able to do all things, everything through him who strengthens me. Anything I do that glorifies God, anything, is because of God, his strength. Even with your job, who gave you the mental capacity? Who gave you that knowledge and that skill? It was God. Who sends the rain, allows the plants to grow? God. Our very existence is based upon his goodness and his grace on everybody. We have nothing for which we can boast about that we actually produce ourselves. It's all because of God. Oh, sure, we make things like cars and planes and all that, but 
Who provided the materials for us to create those things? Who gave us the knowledge to be able to do those things? See, it's all God. I love a lot of songs I hear have this quote that I cannot boast on anything, but if I'm going to boast, let me boast in the cross of Christ. When you became, if you are a Christian, the Spirit of God took up residence in you, resides in you, enables you to live a life of faithful obedience. So when you feel like you can't forgive that person who hurt you, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God gives you strength to set them free and release yourself from bitterness and anger. Some year or two ago, there was a man that was convicted of killing this woman's loved one. This made the news, by the way. And at his sentencing, she went up and hugged him and said, I forgive you. How could you do such a thing? Holy Spirit. How could people march to their death, be tied up to the stake? Flammable liquid poured all around them on this wood, and they take a torch and they light the flame. Even as the flames lapped against the body, they would sing praises to God. How could they do such a thing? The Holy Spirit. When you want to defeat a sinful pattern in your life, you don't have to do it alone. You can rely on God's strength to do it. You can't accomplish much, not because of all your hard work. It's because the work of God is doing in you and through you. I'm standing here today not because of anything I did on my own. I'm standing here today because God's Holy Spirit. Sure, he used people to speak truth in my life. He helped me to study and to grasp things at seminary. Learn things I thought were impossible, like the Greek and Hebrew language. But bottom line, it's him. How, how can I stand here Sunday after Sunday in, in lieu of what's happening around the world and in my own personal life and stand here and talk about hope? Because God's Holy Spirit, I know. I've lived it, I've seen it, and I've experienced it. See, there's a difference between knowing about something and experiencing something. For example, there is a place on the island of Oahu, out in Hawaii, it's called Pali Lookout. Beautiful place. Very windy. In fact, there is a legend told of warriors who jumped off the side, but yet the wind blew them back up. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's really windy. It's just beautiful. I can sit here and try to describe it to you and even put pictures up here for you to see. You have to be, but until you go there... You look off that ledge, you feel the wind, you smell, you you just get that whole environment. You haven't really experienced it yet. Ever been to the Grand Canyon? Looked over that ledge and saw the huge canyon that God created there? Just marveled at it, its beauty? Once again, I say I'll tell you about it, show you pictures of it, but you truly haven't experienced it yet. Have you been to St. Louis Arch? I didn't think much of it until Tammy and I stopped there on the way back one time 
after seeing my mom in Virginia, we decided to stop. I didn't realize how tall it was, how big it was. You can go up to the top of it and all the stuff below it. I was just totally amazed. Once again, I saw pictures of it on Monday Night Football and saw pictures of it on TV and media, but I knew about it. I could tell you how tall it was and some basic facts, but I hadn't experienced it yet. You see, Jesus is the same way. You may be able to quote Scripture to me, but do you know him? Have you experienced him? What's your story today? What are you facing? Are you weary and heavy laden? Weary, exhausted in strength, endurance. Are you tired or fatigued? Are you heavy laden, weighted down with a heavy burden to the point of feeling oppressed? Perhaps it's becoming even a burden just to wake up and get out of bed in the morning. Or as you go to work. Or maybe it's a family relation problem that maybe it's your children, your grandchildren, your your spouse, or a friend at work. All of us have obstacles and struggles that we deal with every day. I remind you of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus speaking. This is him speaking, not me. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, who work to exhaustion and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you in need of hope this morning? Hope as defined by the Bible. The anticipation, the expectation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. Confidence. That what God has done for you in the past will guarantee your participation in what God will do in the future. That's what Revelation is telling us, what God will do in the future. We know he's going to do that because we look in the past. Years, hundreds of years before his prophets told about the coming Messiah, the anointed one, and what he would do. Then Jesus came. He died on the cross. He's resurrected. sits around here the Father. We look back at that. God promised that years and years, way, way back. And we know he's fulfilled it. And he's told us that he will come again. Jesus told us he's going to go prepare a place for us that where he is, we can be there also. So if he told us he came and he came and did what he said he was going to do, and now he's telling us he's coming again, you bet that he is coming again without a shadow of a doubt. So you can have hope in God's plans for your life. You know what God's plan is for humanity? 2 Peter 3, 9, not washing any to perish, but to all come to repentance. You know who's got that mission to? Us. The church. That's why we exist. You can have hope in God's never-ending love. You can't do anything to earn God's love, therefore you cannot do anything to not have his love. And you can have hope in God's strength. Hope happens here. Now, like I said, I don't, I don't know everyone's situation. I don't know what you're facing day in and day out. But I do know this. Don't think you're the only one. There's someone in this room is going through exactly the same thing. God is calling out to you now. Let go. Give it to me. 
Come to me, he is saying, and find that rest that you are truly looking for. Give it to me. Let me work. But our pride gets in the way, doesn't it? We can handle it. I'm tough. And you end up burned out, tired, weak, exhausted. There's no hope. And sometimes you go down that road. Can I just be honest? You go down that road far enough, you'll end up with, does God even exist? Because you're just pounded with despair. But you can have hope. So I invite you to come. Come alongside of me. And let's go to the one who can give us the rest that we desperately need. The hope that we're looking for, that the world promises but can never deliver. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you made him Lord and Savior of your life? He is here with outstretched hands, arms, ready to welcome you home. Perhaps you've given your life to Christ somewhere down the road, but you strayed away. And you're thinking, there's no way he'll take me back. Oh, yes, he will. But it has to be your choice. I mean, in the end, you're just robbing yourself, if you think about it. And perhaps you just need to come down here and pray. Pray for family members. Pray for friends. Pray for each other. That's what we're here for, right? We're here for each other. To help one another. To laugh with each other. And cry with each other. Carry each other's burdens. That's what we're here for, correct? Just bow your head with me and close your eyes. And I invite you to let go of just everything. Every excuse. Just let it go. Listen to God's voice. We're living in very perilous times, dear beloved. We need God each and every moment. I invite you to come to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you just simply for who you are. We thank you for the hope that you give us. Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice, including myself, dear God, help us to let go. I'm trying to do everything ourselves. Remind us of that great truth that we cannot do it alone. We, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that does not know you, does not have a relationship with you through your son, that this will be the exact time that that will happen. Father, for those who are 
struggling. Perhaps it was even a, a struggle to get up this morning even to come here. Father, I pray that you put your arms of love and peace around them and pull it close to your side. But Father, we are we're desperately in need of you and only what you can do. May your spirit continue to move among us. Continue to speak to our hearts and minds, oh God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?